0: Welcome to the Bowl Season Stories podcast, Season 2, Episode 15. I'm Nick Carparelli, the Executive Director of Bowl Season. And today we are joined by the University of Minnesota Head Football Coach, P.J. Fleck, Bad Boy Mowers Pinstripe Bowl Executive Director, Mark Holtzman, and the founder of Venue Edge, David Safferstein. Today's show is brought to you by Sport Radar, reimagining immersive experiences for sports fans and betters. Our first guest just completed his sixth regular season as the head football coach at the University of Minnesota, guiding the Gophers to an eight and four record and an invitation to the Bad Boy Mowers Pinstripe Bowl. In 2019, his team had one of the best years in Minnesota football history, finishing 11 and two with a top 10 final ranking. Prior to that, he was the head coach at Western Michigan, where he turned around a program that went one and 11 his first season to 13 and one four years later with a berth in the Goodyear Cotton Bowl. He's the author of a Wall Street Journal best-selling book, Row the Boat, which we'll talk about a little bit. Please welcome to the show Minnesota head football coach P.J. Fleck. P.J., I know this is a busy time of year. Thanks so much for taking a few minutes to join us.
1: You got it, Nick. I wouldn't miss it for the world, man. And uh, thanks for having us on the show.
0: So, P.J., you and I spent uh, a lot of time together at the Big Ten meetings this spring in Arizona. We, we had... We had known of one another before that we had we made it might have met briefly but never really spent any significant time together i, I think we became fast friends uh i've become a, a greater fan of you, yours for sure i've always been intrigued by your style of coaching your motivational tactics and the biggest thing i learned from being around you last spring was how authentic that is to to you and who you are i think a lot of people try to manufacture energy because it fits their job or they they try to be somebody they want to be but they're not but you are high energy and you literally attack everything you do you do. Give us a little insight into that. Why are you like that? Is it something you've learned over the years and that personality has developed from from coaches and mentors, or do you think that's something you've just always had?
1: Well, first of all, I think you have to have an enormous amount of energy just to work with young people in general. Um, you know, they everybody has certain needs. You got 125 football players that everybody's treated fairly, not necessarily equally, because you come from all different backgrounds. Everybody has completely different needs, academically, athletically, socially, spiritually. You better be able to to, 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 to spread yourself that way to make their lives better in every area. Um, you know, I have, I have an education background. I, I, taught, I taught sixth grade social studies. And, um, you know, the kids keep you really young. And I've had an opportunity to work for two really good athletic directors. Uh, uh, Kathy Beauregard at Western Michigan, and then Mark Coyle here at Minnesota, who allowed me to be myself. I think one of the hardest things in our profession or just in business in general or in leadership in general is truly being authentic, real, and being the real version of yourself. I think a lot of people try to fit the role or fit the title instead of just be who you are within the title. And I think that's what you know. I've always done. I've had enormous amount of energy since I was a little kid. But I've also really enjoyed my job. I've enjoyed sports. I've enjoyed my life. And I don't think there's anything wrong with that. And, uh, you know, but you better have a lot of energy, in my opinion, especially in 2022, going into 2023 with all the challenges we have as uh, as college football coaches.
0: No doubt about that. So so now explain to our listeners, row the boat. You've taken that slogan. I'm underselling it by calling it a slogan. You, you really revolved everything you do with your program around that. What does it mean and how do you use it to keep your team focused?
1: Yeah, I think a lot of people talk about our slogans. I mean, everybody has things they believe in inside their cultures and programs. I just am willing to share them with everyone. I think a lot of people hold it very close to their vest and they're not willing to share it and uh, don't want to be criticized or scrutinized. Uh, but it, it's there to be used by a lot of people. That's what row the boat's all about. Um, it's a never give up lifestyle. That's all it is. Row the boat just means never give up. Uh, it's just another way of saying that. And we all talk about never giving up, so it's the same. Uh, February 9, two thousand eleven. I lost my second son to a heart condition. And at the time, you know, we all have moments and moments that happen in our life that one, we don't know if we're gonna how how we're gonna get through, and then two, you sit there and say, okay, well, I could build a wall and never go back, or I could actually somehow embrace this and use this for good for the rest of our lives. And when you look at it, when you charge a college football program, you want to make sure that even if you don't win or even if you are winning, uh, people connect to your program because it's bigger than just the win and the loss. And that's what Row the Vote is. It's our culture. Cultures are now. Traditions are then, right? And then the future is the future. So cultures do what they can to connect and be the bridge from the past to the future, and that's all Row the Boat is. It's a never give up lifestyle. There are three parts, there's an oar, a boat, and a compass. The oar is the energy you bring to your life, right? And every one of us have the decision to make. You can keep our oar in the water, you take it out. With everything that we do, good things happen to you, bad things happen to you, it's all about perspective. Uh, But if you keep your oar out of the water, there's no way you're gonna get through the storm, right? The second piece is the sacrifice, that's the boat. Once you make your life about serving and giving and make it about other people, then your boat's going to get really big. You're going to go really far. You're going to look up one day and wonder how did I get to where I am? It's basically because other people helped you get there. And if you can serve and give and live a life that way, you can build a big boat, survive big storms, and uh, take a lot of people with you. And that's what we're instilling in our players: that serving and giving should be at the forefront of your life. And the last part is the compass, and that's the people you surround yourself with. You know, we always talk about you know uh, how we got somewhere, but somebody had to get us there. Somebody had to help us. I wear a tie on the sideline because Mike Nolan uh, was my NFL head coach. He cut me, told me I'd be a great coach. And then Jim Trestle, I ended up working uh, my first head coach or my first coaching job was with Jim Trestle, and he wore a tie on the sideline. So my plan A was to play in the NFL, but my plan A, my other plan A, because of the bright people around me, ended up being then the, better than the plan A I had originally. There was no plan B. There was just a plan A because the people that I surrounded myself with made sure my next plan a was better than the one i just had Uh, that's why i wear a tie so that's what row the boat's all about uh your backs to the future none of us really know what's going to happen but you row in the present which is the only thing you can control and you look at the past which is the only thing you can't change but you can learn from so that's kind of the, the the whole version of what we do inside our program every single day just keep rowing that boat
0: that's that's good stuff now you've um Let's talk about bowl games a little bit. This is this, this podcast is called Bowl Season Stories. You've coached in 10 bowl games so far. The upcoming Pinstripe Bowl will be your 11th, uh, if I'm accurate. Six of them uh, have been as a head coach. You're 3-0 in bowl games so far at Minnesota. So try to keep that uh, streak intact. What are your thoughts about coming to New York City and Yankee Stadium to play Syracuse in the 2022 Bad Boy Mowers Pinstripe Bowl?
1: We could be more excited, and when you think of holiday season, Christmas season, New Year's, you think of New York City. You think of the ball dropping. You think of Rockefeller Center uh, with the Christmas tree. You think you—that's what you think. You think Home Alone, Home Alone Two, Lost in New York. Uh, growing up, I mean, that's that, that's what you've always wanted to do. It's a, it's a destination for the holiday season, uh, and we're really excited about it, the Bad Boys Mowers uh, Pinstripe Bowl. And uh, we—I've been there before as an assistant coach. And I know they've only enhanced the, the experience. And, you know, we, we're we thrilled to go. I know our players, about 95% of them have never been to New York City, never been to Manhattan, never been to Times Square, never visited, um, you know, Ground Zero. These are certain things that are life-changing. And that's what bowl season's all about. And I've always said, but the way we're changing in college football right now, people always ask me, the way things are changing, what's the one thing you will you want to make sure it doesn't change. I said the bowl season, the bowl experiences. We can never allow that to be taken away from the collegiate experience because that's what college is all about, moments of memories. We have an amazing experience coming up here in New York City, and, and we're thrilled to go.
0: That, that that's, that's a great point, PJ. And I, I make the point to a lot of people in every other sport, on your campus, they, they do things in the off season. They do go on foreign tours in the summer. You know, we saw those preseason basketball events that teams playing in, in the Bahamas and Hawaii and Las Vegas football as a sport, isn't geared for that bowl season is kind of that experience for these guys. And and I think that's one of the things that makes it so valuable. Um, I want, I want to ask you about the month of December in general for your team. I know it's a busy month, but you know, going to bowl games, you know, you, you get, you get, Fifteen, you know, uh, additional practices, you know, uh, helps continue to build your program. I've had coaches talk about how it's a great reward for a successful season. I've had others talk about how it serves as a launching point for next season. You know, wh- which one of those is it? Is it for you in your program, or is it a little bit of both?
1: It's definitely a little bit of both. I was asked that question yesterday, and it's a, you're putting a cap on the 2022 season. I mean, it's a reward for our football team. They've accomplished an awful lot. Our group of seniors have done things that haven't been done, one, ever, and two, since 1900 through 1905. Uh, And there's a lot of things that they've accomplished. Um, Arguably, these are some of the greatest players ever to play at the University of Minnesota. So we're celebrating them, moving on to the next stage of their life, whether that's business, whether that's education, whether that's med school, whether that's the NFL. We're celebrating that, but it's also a jump start for the 2023 season. You know, with the transfer portal, there's a lot of people who are entering that portal during this window of bowl season. So you could have a starter, you could have a backup, you could become really thin at a lot of positions fast, and the people right behind that are are freshmen. We're going to have a lot of freshmen playing in the pinstripe bowl coming up, and we're fired up about it. They might have played in three games already, uh, but we held that fourth game for the redshirt year just in case something like this would happen. So you better be really proactive knowing that that transfer window coming December 5th, there's gonna be people who you know are gonna enter the portal, people you don't know who are gonna enter the portal, and you don't wanna just have the rest of your team have to burn the redshirt year because you already played in four games. So we manage that throughout the year thinking we are going to go to a bowl, we probably will have people transfer. And if we can solve that issue by having one free game left, let's do that. Because I like to play freshman in those four games. And now we're going to have some of those guys playing that in that game, which is going to be a great experience for them moving forward. And I like it because you get four weeks to prepare with those guys. So, uh, you know, they'll be ready. Come, come, to uh, come game day.
0: That's an interesting notion that you've, you've, you've prepared for the bowl game in that way and saved a game for those freshmen. We're, we're big proponents, PJ, and we're hoping the NCAA will consider, you know, maintaining that, that four games that a freshman could play and not lose his redshirt year, but making that bowl game exempt. So it's a, it's, you don't get five games; you get four games plus a postseason game. Um, I'm I'm guessing we'd probably get a lot of support from coaches on that one.
1: Oh, well, you get a, you get 100 support on that. You know, I mean, because a lot of people you don't you can like we said we planned on that, but we started planning on that once we knew we were possibly going to go to a bowl. Uh, it's it's hard when you plan on that you don't end up going to a bowl game. It could come down to the last game of the year, and next thing you know, the kid only got three games, not four. Um, I think that'd be a great rule. It'd be a great rule change. And there's so many things happening in college football right now that, um, that whether people think are making our game better or worse, that's their opinion, but that's something that would enhance the student athlete experience. And it's good for the student athlete, uh, and the university that I'd be, I think it'd be a good marriage.
0: Yep. Yeah. We're going to, we're going to keep uh, pushing on that one. Uh, so, you know, 10 bowl games as a coach, we know, you know, a uh, little different, uh, feel when you play in a bowl game as a player versus coaching it but still you know you mentioned some of the things you're looking forward to at the pinstripe bowl and going to the 9-11 memorial and and all those types of things what are some of the most memorable moments or memories that you've had as a coach playing or participating in those those 10 bowl games
1: yeah I, I think that when you look at you know the bowl seasons of where we've been um there's a lot to come to mind uh one at Western Michigan University we went to the Bahamas Bowl and at the time Western Michigan had never won a bowl game ever and so we're going to the Bahamas which is a wonderful place to go I mean you're talking about we're talking about New York City think about the Bahamas right right there in Nassau and um you know I I I still remember we we, I'd never been to Nassau Bahamas we know there's a casino in the middle and I'm thinking great who knows how many players are in there? We're, we got to go win a bowl game, it's win a winnable game. We can win our first bowl game, so we give them all these like rules before we actually go. And we're sitting there saying, Hey guys, all right, listen, we're gonna kind of feel the place out, but 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 no casino, uh, at least until we kind of feel what the vibe is and we want to make sure to keep everybody safe and things like that. And I still remember, you know, Heather and I we, we'll go to the casino here and there, and um, but we saw our players, they had a bunch of these maps and they got their maps in their hands, and they're God bless them, because they're following the rules. They got maps in their hand. They're standing standing on the edge of the casino. But if you ever go there, you have to go through the casino to get to all the other sides of the hotel. There's no other way around it. They put you through the casino. Ours guys got maps. They're standing on the edge. They won't enter. They're like, we can't go anywhere. And then I felt really bad. So the next day, I said, guys, I I saw what you were doing. I respect it. Uh, You were trying to follow every rule. Some of you had to go around it. He uh, went outside to go around it. And uh, so we allowed him to go in there if they were of age. And but it was just so funny to watch them do that. Um, the Cotton Bowl was so special. Just I remember our players walking in at Western Michigan and seeing the, their names on the floor, every one of them. Uh, the attention to detail that the Cotton Bowl had. Uh, just an amazing Texas experience, right? And every, they always say everything's bigger in Texas and just an amazing experience there. Uh, and then we've had some great ones here at Minnesota, and we look forward to that. In the Pinstripe Bowl as well, uh, here coming up in a few weeks.
0: Just a couple more questions for you, PJ. What, who, who is your biggest mentor uh, as a player or a coach that you've learned the most from over over the course of your your career?
1: Yeah, I, I think that you know it's the mentors that stay with you, you know, all through your career. Uh, I think that's what's really important. And uh, you know, Jim Trestle and Mike Nolan are, are two men that are in my life to this day. You know, I was a GA for Jim Trestle for about six months. That's it. Jim Trestle text me before every game and after every game. He doesn't have to do that. I was a little old GA for him, but that's why I wear a tie on the sideline because he, I didn't come from a coaching background or a coaching family. And if it wasn't for those two men, I wouldn't be where I am. And it's a game day is really important for me because it's my time to thank those guys. Uh, and again, when you're yourself, sometimes you stand out and, you know, people think you're different, and, but I'm just myself. And I think that's what is unique. Some people don't want to be themselves because they're afraid of what people are going to think because it does look different. Well, if everyone was themselves, it wouldn't look as different, right? Uh, and then Mike Nolan, you know, he ended up cutting me uh, in my career with the San Francisco 49ers as a player and then ended up offering me a job that, the minute after he cut me. So I got cut and then offered a job, uh, which was really unique. And Mike Nolan's still into my life to this day. And, and uh, him and his wife, Kathy, are really important to me, and I. And I've learned an awful lot from him.
0: Last question for you. We were talking a little bit before we we started the show about um, about how difficult your job is, especially in the month of December. You got so much going on. You're preparing for a bowl game. You're you're recruiting, uh, but then you have to deal with all these new major changes in college athletics. NIL, the transfer portal. Tell me in general, how has your job changed in the last few years, and and how is it uh, that that a head coach is able to manage a roster nowadays?
1: Well, it's not like it used to be, that's for sure. You know, as a head coach, you you had complete control of the roster. You knew where you were going to be two to three years down the road. Head coaches are constantly, you know, you're, you're not only the head coach, but you're the GM, you're the owner and the president of that organization, right? So you have you have your hands on everything, but you were two to three years out working backwards with your roster, and you could feel what that was going to look like. These days, you have no idea what it's going to look like. And I think you have to relinquish some of that control mindset of, I know X is going to happen down the road. You don't know that. And you just have to be open. You got to be open-minded. You got to put the student athletes' welfare and their experience at the forefront of everything that you do, which we always have. But sometimes not being in that environment or in that school is is the best thing for the young man. And if he needs to go somewhere else, I support him 100%. We've benefited off the transfer portal. So it's not something that's bad. Every school benefits off of it, but every school is going to go through attrition. I think before the transfer portal used to be like, well, what's going on? There's something wrong at the school. Everybody's leaving school. Everybody has people leaving now. And it's not because it's bad. It's because looking for a different opportunity and maybe they're not going to play there. Maybe it's not a great fit. Uh, It allows young people to have the opportunity to go somewhere else where they do fit. Now, when you're starting to involve NIL with that, uh, I think we're going down a dangerous slope. Uh, you know, where people are picking schools just based on a deal, just based on money, just based on something like that, where when they do get to that university, it's not a great fit. It's not a great fit with the program. And then they're back in the portal again, or they're in the portal for the first time. And then they have to be right because of the one-time transfer rule. So it's, uh, it's very unique. Uh, and this time of year, you got bowl prep going on back home. You've got official visits on the weekends. You're, you know, you're traveling all over the country. You're diverting flights mid-flight because you find out somebody committed here or somebody entered the portal and we got to go get this kid. Um, So you got a lot of people working overtime, uh, which in our profession is almost 24-7, but it's it's what's required. And in our profession, when you work with young people, you never turn it off because there's a lot that's required to make young people better. And uh, we'll continue to do that. And hopefully we can be able to put some parameters around this thing at some point. But for right now, you just kind of, you, you you kind of go with the flow a little bit and uh, you don't take a lot of things personal and you find the best way to build your football program moving forward.
0: Well, your, your job has certainly changed over the years and you're doing a great job uh, adapting to it, which is not, not a surprise at all. PJ, uh, busiest time of year for you really appreciate you taking a, a few minutes to join us. Uh, good luck at the pinstripe bowl. I'll be there uh, in person. So hopefully I get to say hello to you on the sideline before the game and uh, and good luck to you.
1: Uh, We look forward to seeing you there and keep working on that golf game. You got a good one. That was a lot of fun playing with you. So Uh, Mm -hmm. you take care of yourself. Roll the boats, guy. I'm going to go first. And thanks for having us on.
0: All right. Thanks, PJ. We're going to take a short break and be right back with the bad boy mowers pinstripe bowl, executive director, Mark Holtzman. Stay with us.
2: Vapor Apparel has all your game day essentials from eco-friendly, lightweight sun protection shirts and hoodies to cozy joggers and Sherpa fleece pullovers. Vapor has the layers you need to get outside and stay out longer. Plus, as Bowl Season's official apparel sponsor, they're creating limited edition shirts for bowl-bound teams made with 100% reprieve fiber from recycled water bottles. Want to celebrate your team's bowl bid with official bowl-bound gear? Get yours and explore more at bullseason.com.
0: Welcome back to the show. Our next guest is the executive director of the Bad Boy Mowers Pinstripe Bowl and a good friend of mine, Mark Holtzman. Mark, welcome to the show.
3: Thank you, Nick. Pleasure to be on your show.
0: Mark, you and I go way back. The Pinstripe Bowl started twelve years ago, and it was, uh, you know, we, uh, we 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 like to spread the credit around, but I, I I do I do happen to believe that you and I were in a room together most often talking about this idea. I'm really really proud of what what you guys have done with the bowl game over the years. And uh, in my role, Mark, people often ask me, what's your favorite bowl game? And I tell them, well, it's kind of like a parent picking a favorite child. I I really shouldn't do that. But I I am pretty forthcoming in in saying that I have a soft spot in my heart for the pinstripe bowl. So, So thanks for all that.
3: Well, Nick, we owe you a big debt of gratitude because one of the hardest things in life is to put something together when everyone says you can't do it. It's very easy just to pass and to move on to the next thing you remember well that a lot of people said based on uh the previous bowl experiences in both new york and new jersey that a big time bowl is not possible in this marketplace around christmas but um you felt otherwise john marinado felt uh, otherwise uh randy levine felt otherwise and here we sit today we now have the uh, 12th um you know Bad Boy Mowers Pinstripe ball coming up, the first one with Bad Boy Mowers. And, you know, it started with you uh, uh, 12 years ago uh, with Kansas State and Syracuse. We really thought that the Big East would be a perfect fit for us. These, all those schools there, Syracuse, West Virginia, Boston College, Rutgers. I mean, obviously, uh, the college landscape has changed significantly, but fortunately, we were able to matriculate into the ACC and the Big Ten. And uh, here we sit this year. The bowl is pretty well established. We've had a few sellouts, and we're very excited about bringing Syracuse, who's our only two-time bowl winner, back here this year against first-time participant, uh, coincidentally, P.J. Fleck, University of Minnesota.
0: Yep, good. It's, uh, I'm looking forward to to seeing the game, and I'll be there in person. You, you mentioned Bad Boy Mowers. They're a new title sponsor this year. I was fortunate enough to be at at your announcement uh, this summer of uh, that partnership tell tell us about how that that new partnership came about
3: sure well you know um we had new era for a long time uh they're a great partner they continue to be a big partner the yankees uh they're with us for uh, 11 years um at some point um you mutually move on and uh this was probably the right time, especially with, you know, a lot of companies had a rough time, you know, through COVID and coming out of COVID. Um, and so we we knew that there was a possibility we had to look for someone else. And, you know, when you, co- the Yankees co-brand their marks with very few people. Uh, and so there, we were somewhat limited. And there were a lot of categories where other bulls would potentially accept a partner where we wouldn't. And it started with that. Uh, then, you know, fortunately, we have an area, the Yankees are involved in a lot of other businesses, as you know, Nick, besides uh, just baseball. And we formed a company, Legends, uh, with Goldman Sachs and the Dallas Cowboys, and they do a lot of things. I mean, we've, we've been involved in the uh, the merchandising and premium seats with um, sponsorships with the new stadiums in Vegas and L.A. You know, we own professional soccer teams now. We have a team here in NYCFC in New York, and then we just bought a piece of AC Milan. So Legends does a lot of different things with us. And one of the things which Legends now also does is goes after um, uh, title sponsorships for um, uh, for bowls, uh, for stadiums, et cetera. They hired a guy by the name of Chris Foy, who was very successful in his own company, uh, develop, develop, delivering title sponsorships for many of the bowls, that exists today. Uh, so then we went through a list of prospects. And, you know, it was not easy, to be honest with you, coming out, coming through and out of COVID, because the world has changed, as you know, for the Bulls. We've talked about this all the time, Nick. The world has changed significantly, just what you were saying at the end there, with transfer portals, um, with um, you know, players not playing in the game because they don't want to get injured. Um, it, the whole it's the whole dynamics uh nil the whole dynamics has changed um so we started to look for a title sponsor and bad boy mowers uh mainly a midwest company uh looking to expand to the east coast very successful very cutting edge in technology celebrating their 20th anniversary in business they're already sponsoring um, the uh in basketball the the tournament in the bahamas uh, which just concluded And they were also um, a sponsor, I believe, for the Gasper the bowl in uh, Tampa. And they were looking to, they made it known that they were looking to upgrade. Uh, So they were familiar already with the bowl system, which was a big help. And they made it known that they were beginning to upgrade. And they did not have, they were not lacking for options. uh, uh, Including bowls that were much bigger than ours. At the end of the day, though, they liked the fact that we at the Yankee organization could not only deliver them the ball, but could deliver them year-round exposure in the New York marketplace between the S yes network, between the soccer team we have here, between everything else. And they, they, you know, they chose to want to have a year-round calendar uh, activity, you know, promoting their brand in this market rather than just a ball game in itself. And that certainly helped us. And um, the the the, two, the person on top there, great guy. The CEO, a guy by the name of Pete Valentine, he was all in. And uh, it took us about a month. And uh, they agreed to come on board. So we did not have to go through a lot of the exhaustive process that other bulls did. And, you know, the nice thing uh, is, unlike when we started with you, when there was no proof of concept, and we were asking uh, ESPN, we were asking our title sponsor to come in basically on our promises, we had a little bit of proof of concept being in business for a while. And that's
0: what we were able to get bad boy mowers. So you know, let me, let me jump to a, a question I was planning on asking you later on because it ties in. Well, you know, you mentioned the various businesses that the Yankees have and the legends, um, you know, uh, asset that you were able to utilize to, to, to uh, secure this sponsorship. And then also the desire on behalf of the sponsor to have some, you know, some exposure outside of just bowl season. Tell, tell us, you know more about that having the Yankees organization behind you it's got to be a big advantage for your game and tell us how that that Yankees brand helps you on a day-to-day basis
3: i would i would say that if i didn't have the yankee brand behind me you know this nick cuz you started with, you started the game with us it would have been practically impossible given the track record for ball games in this marketplace and given the fact that there're 14 other professional teams within about an hour of Yankee Stadium, it would have been an impossibility. It also would have been an impossibility if I didn't have a boss and the president, Randy Levine, who was so committed to making this work and pledged whatever assets I needed to make this ball a reality. Uh, Obviously we had a previous relationship with ESPN through baseball, that helped. And then we owned something called, part owner something called the S Network. And the YES Network is really more than a, a regional sports network, as you know. It's the largest regional sports network in the country. It's more like a mini network in itself with carriage all around the country, from west coast to east coast. And Nick, if I had to um, pay for the amount of advertising that I got on a year-round basis on YES to promote this game, I would have been broke five times over, okay? They're a tremendous asset there and they do whatever we need to promote the game Leading up to the game, during the season, we have unique uh, uh, pilot shows talking about the ball game, how the field comes together, talking to the coaches. Uh, we it's it, they're a tremendous partner, and that combined with the other media partners we have, like WFAN you know, in New York, which is obviously heard across country. Uh, we have tremendous assets there, and then of course, you know, Yankees.com. I mean, we get as many hits on Yankees.com as the, as all the other baseball teams combined. I mean, it's really, it's really pretty incredible. And, you know, the combination of all those media assets made it a lot easier and then some old fashioned contacts and hard work. I mean, as you know, Nick, I was at the NFL for 15 years prior to this. And uh, I still had a few friends left there, a few head coaches, as I know you do. And they put in a good word for me in some key situations, which, you know, helped me, uh, Helped, helped significantly in getting us to where we are today.
0: Well tell tell me talk more about that about your background Mark. You you mentioned being in being in the NFL, you were the senior vice president of marketing and licensing prior to coming to the Yankees. Sure. Um you also worked for Reebok back in the day when that company was just getting started. You you've shared a lot of great uh growing stories with me uh back about those days uh uh and all the times you and I have spent together. How important were those experiences in preparing you to run the Pinstripe Bowl today and was there any one thing, probably a lot of things that you learned earlier in your career that still helps you today.
3: Well, one one job led to the next, and if I didn't have the previous job, I'd never be in the seat that I was after that. I mean, I was very fortunate, Nick. I was a a young lad about twenty two years old and just finishing up uh, one my first year of law school, and I really didn't uh, wasn't sure if law school was for me. And uh, so I I did some soul-searching over the summer after my first year. I did a little internship uh, in for a little PR agency in um, New York City that was involved in junior tennis tournaments. And just as a happenstance meeting at that junior tennis tournament, I met this uh, young guy from Massachusetts who we, we started talking about life and everything and we get, got to know each other a little bit. And he was telling me how he just started a new company. And it's this um, very expensive custom running shoe that was in Chariots of Fire uh, in England. It goes back to 1895. It was called Foster's. He's rebranding it Reebok. And, uh, you know, we started talking. We got to know each other a little bit. And next thing you know, he invited me on board. I think I was like the 20th employee. And, you know, a lot of people thought I was crazy because, you know, nine out of 10 startups go bust and they weren't exactly doing well there. But for a number of reasons, as you know, Nick, Reebok exploded. Um, it was, a, interestingly enough, most of the big footwork companies to that point were performance first. The two big companies were Adidas and Nike and there was really no one else, and Converse. But they were all performance first and they were just starting to become fashionable. We, we created what was known as athleisure, you know, Kind of a pseudo performance uh, tied into fashion. You know, we had the no-break-in aerobic shoes, and uh, we, we created a lot of firsts. We start before people even knew what product placement was, Nick, because we didn't have any money. We had no ad budget. We gave product away. We really didn't have, couldn't afford to give away as much as we did. We didn't, we couldn't advertise, but we opened up a little shop in Hollywood, and all it did was give product away to a lot of entertainers. And some athletes as well, a lot of whom, you know, weren't paid at that point. And it grew from there. And I got to tell you, the thing I learned the most there at Reebok, which has really done done well for me in my future jobs, was the value of relationships. Because when you have a long career, you're going to be on many sides. You're going to be a buyer. You're going to be a seller. You might be even on business for your own. And sometimes you can help people. Sometimes you'll need the people to help you. A few years ago, you could help. And it's all about maintaining relationships. And look at Reebok, we didn't have a lot of money starting out, yet I was able to establish relationships. I mean, we started the basketball program from nothing, yet we had we, because I had the right people involved, we had Digger Phelps, and we go ancient history here. Digger Phelps at Notre Dame, Wimp Sanderson in Alabama, Norm Stewart at Missouri, Mike Jarvis. Um Almost had John Calipari a few times. Uh, you can go on and on and on. Walt Hazard at UCLA. We had a lot of programs. I will say that the best thing about Walt Hazard is he introduced me ultimately to Venus and Serena Williams. Uh, and that obviously paid a few dividends for Reebok back then. But you know, I, I learned from Reebok most of all how to keep relationships, how to build trust, how to build a team you could trust, and uh, keep your promises. And from Reebok, you know, I had a great run there. And through negotiating the Reebok sponsorship with the National Football League, because the NFL wanted to do something breakthrough and actually have official footwear. So in other words, you just couldn't put your shoe if you were a company on any NFL player. You had to pay the NFL for the right to put the shoe on the player. Everything was changing and um yeah, and I got to know Paul Tagliabue uh, and Neil Austrian from those negotiations. And one day they pulled me into an office as I was finalizing the deal. And they said, uh, we like your style. How do you like to come on board? And I really didn't, I wasn't looking to leave. I really thought I'd be with Reebok my whole life. I had a great lifestyle. As you know, I loved living in New England, Nick, and a great house in Sharon, but opportunity beckoned and sometimes The opportunity becomes so great that you have no choice but to, uh, I just had my first kid. You have no choice but to take the opportunity. And it was the best decision I ever made in my life. Uh, I started out running a club marketing for them and what was known as pro line then, which was all their on-field business uh, and dealt with all the head coaches, got to know, you know, for better or worse, got to know all of them. I was thrown out of a few uh, head coaches' offices right when I, Went to meet them because one of the first things I had to do back then, like in college basketball, believe it or not, Nick, the coaches were getting paid for what uh, footwear brand the players wore and what apparel uh, you wore. The marks on the on the sideline, the coaches were getting paid, not the owners, but you know, uh, owners like uh, your buddy in New England and a few others, and got mm-hmm. hold of the fact, sniffed out the fact that the coaches. Making more starting to make more money from this than they were playing, con- than their coaching contract with the uh with the uh, teams, and they wanted to get that money back in house. So, my first job was going to these very high profile coaches back then Bill Parcells, Don Shula, Jimmy Johnson. I mean, all the big names were still coaching them. Hi, my name is Mark Holtzman. I was a young guy back then. How are you? Oh, and by the way i'm going to buy you out i know you have five years left on your deal with so and so but we're buying you out for 60 cents on the dollar we're going to give you a lump sum and uh, that's the way it is and i would also take the hit on it because a lot of the owners didn't want the coaches to know that it was coming from them not me so that was kind of how it started with reebok and how i got to know and some of these coaches actually once again i go back to relationships some of the coaches threw me out of their office But there were other coaches who were smart enough to realize that it wasn't me. I was just the spear carrier. Maybe I wasn't such a bad guy. One of them, believe it or not, was a guy named Bill Parcells who's maintained, who's to this day, a lifelong friend of mine. And um, he actually, I did him some favors, and he said, kid, if you ever need a big favor, I'm there for you. And uh, when I got to the Yankees, he did one for me because, uh, you know, They wanted me to deliver big-time college football within a year here with the opening of the new Yankee Stadium. And as you know, Nick, you have to book these games three years in advance. But we were able to, on less than a year's notice, get Notre Dame to play here against Army. And a lot of that was because of uh, a big favor that Bill Parcells did for me. So once again, it goes back to relationships. It's all about relationships. Learned a tremendous amount at the NFL a tremendous amount that I still use today running this bowl game and the other, the other stuff we do here, uh, because no one does it better than the NFL. And, uh, here I sit and I've been now with the Yankees 14 years.
0: That's good stuff, Mark. We can go on and on about that. I, I got, I have one final question for you. I want to get back to the, to the bowl game. Um, Minnesota golden, golden golfers. Right. We'll face Syracuse, the Syracuse Orange in this year's game. It's always good to have a Big Ten team like Minnesota come to New York, who's never been there before. We know Syracuse fans are going to flock to Yankee Stadium. This will be their third time now. Um,
3: They'll flock to see you. You're a legend there.
0: Well, yeah, well, you know, it's uh, I'll be there. I don't know if that's the reason they're going to be there, but let me ask you this. every Every bowl game is unique, and they all provide a great experience for everyone involved and those experiences are unique to their destination. And that's, what's really cool about bowl games for those who haven't participated in your bowl game or, or maybe have been to bowl games, but never the pinstripe bowl. What are the things that, that make your game unique? Look, where do you start, right?
3: Where do you start? I mean, first of all, it's a ball game in New York city. I mean, you don't, you don't have that. Technically we're in the Bronx, but it's New York city. Um, There are a lot of unique challenges that go into that, but there's a lot of specialness that we can bring to the week that you can't have otherwise. And because of the connection that we have, the place that the New York Yankees have in society today, we can access a lot of things that a lot of these kids will never be able to see the way they see that Christmas week. And we can give them an experience. It's not palm trees, it's not the beach, not the ocean, but we can have them experience stuff that they'll be able to tell their grandchildren about. And I don't think you have too many bowls I can say that. And, and you, you've experienced a lot of it. I mean, we ring the bell, of the New York stock exchange every year, captains of the team, the athletic directors, the university presidents, they get up there on that perch in front of 200 million people around the world. And they ring the bell of the stock exchange. And then they get interviewed afterwards. They get on CNBC and, and, and there's institutional advertising involved. What a great platform for the schools! We take the kids to Radio City Music Hall, Chris, the night of Christmas, to see the world famous Rockettes and the, in the, you know, the, the Christmas spectacular. You know, we also, you know, you know the Yankee organization well. Uh, we were as involved as any sports organization in this area when the tragedy of 9-11 happened, and a lot of these kids now weren't even born when 9-11 happened, believe it or not. But we feel it's important that you never forget. So we, every year, as long as certainly I'll be the executive director of this ball game, we take the kids to the 9-11 Memorial because they need to see and experience what went on because it was a life-altering, obviously, event you know, for all of us. We then take them to OWO, which now is the tallest building in New York without the trade centers. We take them to the top there. We're taking everyone to the iconic Madison Square Garden for a ranger game this year. Uh, We take the the, the wives the tavern on the green. We've taken them to uh, the network morning shows in the past. We've taken the kids to a comedy show at Lincoln Center. So you name it. You know, we've we've taken them to most of of the iconic venues in this area Christmas week. And as you know, Christmas in uh, New York is very special. We stay at two hotels just a few blocks from Rockefeller Center where of course you have the tree and the skating and everything. And it's just a very, very, you know, special week. I mean, there is, as you know, there is traffic that week. Uh, so that makes it a little difficult, but we have two, the Columbia and Fordham, we have two close practice sites. We have two great hotels in the Hilton and the Sheridan who've been with us for many years. And just all in all, Nick, it's just a very unique, special week. And at least to this point, uh, most of the schools, because we do have our choice most of the time, as far as which schools we bring into the game. Um, a lot of schools want to play here. They think they're going to be the ones that are selected. And we have some disappointing schools every year, which means I guess we're doing something
0: right. You're doing a lot right, Mark. What what amazing experiences. And that's 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 what makes the Pinstripe Bowl so great. That's what makes bowl season and all the bowl games so great. A lot of fans just turn the TV on for three hours in December and they don't realize the, the lifelong experiences and memories that – that these student athletes walk away with it. They, they would, they'd have no other way to, to, to get otherwise. So thanks for sharing that with us, uh, Mark. Tuesday, I'm sorry, Thursday, December 29th, 2 PM, the bad boy mowers pinstripe bowl, Minnesota will be there. Syracuse will be there. I'll be there. Uh, most importantly, you'll be there, Mark. So I look forward to seeing you then. And thanks so much for joining us today.
3: Nick, thanks for having me.
0: We're going to take a short break and be right back. Stay with us.
2: Bowl season is finally here. And with Bowl Season Radio, you'll be able to keep up with all the action. Bowl Season is teaming up with First Team Ventures to provide live national radio play-by-play coverage for 18 college bowl games this season. Bowl Season Radio will give college fans the opportunity to stay dialed in to college football's postseason, whether they are driving cross-country or staying close to home. Celebrate college football and listen to Bowl Season Radio on select stations, satellite radio, or off the Game Day Live homepage at bowlseason.com.
0: Welcome back to the show. Our final guest is the founder of Venue Edge, David Safferstein. David, welcome to the show. Thanks, Nick. Good to be here. David, we all know how unique college football is. We love it. You know, we, it's our work, but we're fans as well. And the passion of fans, especially those who attend the games live on game day, I think is uh, is unmatched in sports. But we also know the trend across some some live sporting events, not all of them, uh, is that the live attendance is declining a little bit. There's so many options for fans nowadays to watch games on their TV, their phones. Even it's just easier and cheaper for people to stay at home. You're you're kind of an expert on this subject. How big of a problem is this issue of the declining attendance, and and why is this happening?
4: I think. I think the why is is you nailed it nick i mean it's a great experience at home the broadcasts are getting better you're getting more data more stats more insight um different views uh obviously the cost um is a lot less there's no lines for for the restrooms or for concessions at your house um so so it's just it's a great experience at home um is it a concern Uh, to a certain extent i think as technology grows and and there's New opportunities and things to offer um, in the venue. Um, we can compete against that. Uh, you know, I, I think once a fan goes to it, especially a college football game, once they get there and see the excitement and the pageantry and all that goes on, it's hard to get them uh, not to come back again. So, is it a concern? A little bit, but I, I think it's something a uh, challenge we can uh, we can meet and and be and and get people back in the stadiums.
0: Now, at Venue Edge, you partner with teams and events to create unforgettable experiences and to develop lasting engagement with fans through creative content, activations, and new technology. Tell us how this works and where this idea came from.
4: Sure. Um, so where it came from is uh, I spent 10 years with ESPN as a creative director, uh, both on the production side but also on the new technology side so in a way I was trying to keep people home you know going back to that first question uh, it was my job to try and keep it interesting and fun and and um, informative at home for fans uh, then when I left ESPN I really just started some contract work in the venue space uh, with Florida Citrus Sports with Orlando City Soccer um, some Orlando-based teams um, and facilities, as that's where I am, and then just took that and expanded it um, beyond Orlando and, and in a way took what we were doing when I was at ESPN through technology, through creative content, and said, all right, let's take that and how do we get that back in the venue, which in a way answers the the question you had started with, Nick, is, is just how do we compete with that?
0: You mentioned Florida Citrus Sports. Uh, Tell us some of the other teams or events you've worked with, and do you have any, you know, specific success stories you'd like to share?
4: Sure. Um, we work, uh, most recently, the Mountain West Conference, Big West Conference. Um, every All the events that Florida Citrus Sports puts on, um, a couple of MLS teams, some other bowls, including Las Vegas Bowl, Holiday Bowl, and the Independence Bowl um, we're working with. Um, and then just some other um neutral site events. I think one I one I'd mentioned, which had was probably a small one of the smaller events um from CrowdWise, but probably the most impactful was most re- recently. We worked with the Department of Defense Warrior Games, which is a 10-day event for active um and veterans with disabilities. Um and It was it was just a a special event to be part of that, but also create that environment, even though it wasn't a lot of fans, it it, it still had a big impact. It was mostly family and friends of of the athletes that were there. So making them feel special, um, kind of showing what was special about their events, because obviously um, they were modified sporting events um, and just creating that atmosphere was for us was pretty special.
0: So you mentioned a couple of bowl games as your clients. Tell tell us uh, how how this would work for a bowl game specifically. So on the
4: bowl games, you know we do a lot with neutral sites, and and we talk a lot um, around bowl season about how you've got to make an environment and and an engagement with the fans, no matter what the teams are, because obviously we don't know who the teams are um, when we start um promoting and and getting fans there and we're also trying to get local fans who may have no connection to the teams that are playing you just want to make it a big time event so we work with with our partners both on scripting um game day activities um interaction sponsorship activations design and animation for the video boards and and uh, ribbon boards um different entertainment as well as how do you bring in <coughs> excuse me different technology to engage the fans. Um, and also at the same time, looking for sponsor activation. So our focus is really on that game day experience beyond the teams that are playing, while at the same time, trying to introduce some of that technology that people are used to at home, whether it's a first and 10 line, uh, different data, different stats on players. Um, and obviously now we're starting to add some, um, artif- um, some VR and AR type of stuff.
0: Good stuff, David. I really appreciate you sharing that with us. Uh, We know you're busy, so we're going to let you go. Thanks so much for joining us on the show. Uh, Hopefully, we'll uh, run into each other somewhere on the road during bowl season.
4: Sounds good, Nick. Thanks a lot for having me.
0: And thanks to all of you for listening to this week's Bowl Season Stories podcast. Please join us next week when we will welcome another lineup of great guests. If you like the show, we'd appreciate you dropping a five-star rating for the podcast. And as always, you can follow all the podcast and bowl season news on our website, bullseason.com, and on social media at Bowl Season. Thanks for listening.